BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Upside down and inside out, we're about to show you all what it's all about. Here we are. I'm here with Sterling Holmes. My name is Matt, Tag Team Connor. Sterling, how are you doing this week? Dude, I'm doing great. The weather in Kansas City is beautiful. I went on a bourbon trail tour this past weekend down there in Louisville. Uh, Actually, we went to Versailles. Yeah, you heard that right, Versailles. Not Versailles, not like the treaty. Uh, I asked. Don't you don't you worry. He goes, well, you don't call Paris Paris, do you? And I go, fair point. So bourbon, beer, football, life is good, baby. Uh, what what uh, like bourbon distilleries did you hit? Uh, went to Woodford Reserve. That's my typical go to. I love Woodford Reserve. Picked up some uh, double oak. Uh, you know, the, the it's. Incredible bourbon. I got some specialty ones as well. Went to Woodford Reserve, had a nice tour there, learned about how they make it. Very cool. No wonder so many people went blind back in the day. Let's be real now. Uh, This is a science to making bourbon. It's not just you go in your backyard and throw some stuff together. Uh, It's difficult. Then I hit up Buffalo Trace. Crazy. Buffalo Trace was sold out at 1030 a.m. My dumbass goes, yeah, it's hard to find in Kansas City. So I'll go to this uh, to the distillery and pick some up. No, still sold out. Then we hit up a new one called Jepta Creed. That one was good. I like Jepta Creed. Their original bourbon, not my favorite. Didn't think it was even good. But some of their specialty bourbon they had was very good. It's the newest one on the bourbon trail. So I'll tell you what, good times. We actually went to the Jephtha Creek uh, like right after it opened. So they were like, yeah. they didn't even have a lot to show because they were like, well, you need years to make bourbon. And we're like six months old. So they just had like some weird like things that you could taste and and uh but they were like building it out but you could see the concept for what they were trying to build was was like pretty new um by the way we were sitting we i i went with like five guys we do this whole there were six of us total on the whole like uh bourbon trail trip a few years ago you were talking about woodford reserve and they've got this beautiful room with like this big fireplace and there's like these tables all around where they're like they have if you've never been they have like a tasting wheel with like 30 words and they're like they're like, try this bourbon. And you're like, which one is this? Is this like earthy or chipmunk or like whatever the word <laughs> is supposed to be there, right? And then he like goes around asking like, so what notes do you get? What notes do you get? And then he like asked my friend who like never wants to be put on the spot at all. And he's like, well, why don't you try it? What like, what, what hints are you getting? And my friend just goes, white privilege. And then like the whole room is just like, what and then anyway we got kicked out we got kicked out of woodford reserve that's what happened so uh that's what uh anyway it went south real fast that was my that's that was my bourbon trail experience we had too much bourbon at that point i think yeah sounds like it man okay uh we will get to some chiefs talk today flapjack city says you miss blanton's no blanton's is part of buffalo trace yes they were also sold out of blanton's chiefer 65 says how much longer till preseason what Bourbon talk doesn't get you going. 
Dude. Come on. Come on. We're in Kansas City. We're we're bourbon, football, and beer. And speaking of beer, KC Beer. KC Beer Company, the best sponsor for the best beer. Uh, we appreciate all of you who have been so supportive all season long. Now as we head into the offseason, you guys helped make Arrow Red Lager a massive massive success if you've not had a chance to go try uh casey beer and try everything that they that they have there the hefeweizen uh, the dunkel uh i'm actually drinking one of the limited edition uh weizenbach dunkels myself nice little seven and a half percent it's really good man uh we say it every single week and it's because it's true they are a great company they brew with only four ingredients Go to Casey Beerco. Make sure you try it. Tell them Arrowhead Addict and the crew sent you there. We do appreciate that all the time. Uh, but Casey Beerco, dare to beer different. Uh, dare to beer different is right. Um, folks, we are in uh, in the midst of the 2023 NFL Combine uh, is happening right now. Later on this week, you will see a lot of the um, familiar drills like the 40-yard uh, dash, the bench press, vertical leap, broad jump, shuttle runs. All those things are happening in Indianapolis uh, for the next several days. But today's big takeaway was actually the Chiefs. Um, some teams have their coaches speak. Some teams have their general managers speak, um, depending on what's happening in the life of the franchise. The Chiefs had both speak today back-to-back. So um, earlier today, if you tuned in, uh, via Innovent Work or the Chiefs on Digital Channels. We heard Andy Reid speak for 15 minutes, and then Brett Veach spoke for two minutes. So um, within that time frame, they spoke on a number of things. Um, Sterling, I want to—I just want to unpack, like here at the start of the show, um, I want to unpack a few of the things that Reid and Veach were asked about, that they talked about, um, that we were able to kind of maybe get a better understanding of as the offseason is going to go on here. First of all, um, the coaching carousel has kind of settled. We lost the enemy. Um, the Chiefs already made um, that move official to fill his spot with Matt Nagy. We talked about this a little bit last week. But the one remaining opening was quarterback's coach, right? Um, and quarterback's coach uh, was coming down. Like, we didn't know really what was going to happen uh, there was a meme out there that said maybe Alex Smith had been hired, and then that turned out not to be true. Some of us, I think, thought maybe Cliff Kingsbury may, like, come in and, and be a new voice on the staff. Um, Andy Reid said today that they actually did look at a new voice to come in, but they decided not to, and they promoted from within. Uh, David Girardi got the move. Curious there what thoughts you have about QB coach in general and what Reed had to say. So when it comes to David Girardi, my main thought process here is things are going well. If this is a voice that Patrick likes stick with it. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes had some input in this and that's what makes me comfortable with this move. Not only that, I do think it's impactful, um, you know, just from within not going out, but from within. I'm not saying you always have to do that, but when you get promotions from within, I think it helps you keep guys who are very talented, maybe one extra year, maybe even two extra years. Who knows if Biennemi could have taken this exact same job a few seasons ago, but he goes, I'm loyal to Kansas City. I have some ties here. We're having this success. Now, you're not going to keep everyone forever. We know this. Matt Nagy eventually went off, got his own head coaching job. Uh, Doug Peterson the same way. Uh, Kafka, he, he's got his promotion to uh, to OC, right? But maybe they stuck around or stuck around a year longer. And I think there's some something to this where the Chiefs also will welcome you back if they think you did a good job here. They didn't sever ties. They thought, hey, Matt Nagy was good as an OC and as a QB coach. Sure, he didn't have the success he would have liked as the head coach of the Bears, although. I don't get why folks make him out to be a disaster in Chicago. We had Mitchell Trubisky. He won coach of the year. And they won 12 games. He was 34 and 31 all time record wise with Chicago. That's not a disaster, but I digress. The point is when you promote from within that helps keep talent, potentially in my mind, a year or two longer than if you know, they're going to look outside, bring someone else in. Then you're constantly looking for other jobs. Yeah. So them promoting Girardi from within, I think this helps. Uh, I like the move. Again, Mahomes has the final say. Mahomes was cool with it. I'm cool with it. 
Yeah, you know, I, I like what you just said. I, I like what that does for the culture. B picture any of our workplaces. Picture any of them, no matter where you work. If if your workplace, where you're at right now, or maybe where you're home from drinking right now and then listening to us, whatever it is, um, if your workplace is known as a place that 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 does good by its own employees, that treats them well, that promotes from within, that that um, that honors loyalty in that kind of way, that's only going to build the culture of that place to be a healthy place to be. I want to be here. I want to put down roots. I'm going to um, think long-term about my investment in this organization. I like that. Um, that said, I was also a little bit excited about the possibility of adding some external voices to familiar rooms. I think that'd be great. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we will see what David Girardi has up his sleeve. In terms of who David Girardi is, you know, it's it's there's kind of not a lot out there, right? Uh, he was a he was a grad assistant for three years uh, at Northwestern. His last year was also Mike Kafka's only year at Northwestern as well, and then they both joined the Chiefs thereafter. So I don't know if I don't know if Mike Kafka went to Andy Reid and said, "Hey, I got a guy," but now that guy is the Chiefs' new quarterback coach. So, um, look, he's he's been in the room. He was assistant QB coach last year. He's been an assistant passing game analyst. It's not like he's a total stranger. Um, so, yeah, it's great. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think it also it works when you have this sort of of front office, this sort of and like what Mark Johnson says, hiring from within promotes consistency. I'm all for that. It works when you have a winning culture and you have this winning front office. You have a organization with this culture already built and guys they trust. And it works here in Kansas City. It won't work everywhere. Uh, one other example here, which I find very interesting you look at what Kansas City does, they're typically always at the forefront of innovation at uh, developing this culture, right? There's, from the top down, they, they agree on a lot of things. Not saying you always want to agree. There's been some pushback, right? But they agree on the main principles. You look over in Tennessee, the new GM for the Titans on the philosophy for team building goes, it's cute and sexy to play Golden State Warriors football in September and October when the weather is good. But the teams that play in January play tough defense and run the football. That is antiquated. It's outdated. The Chiefs have, have hosted five straight AFC championship games. The Golden State Warriors, by the way, what won four championships since 2015. Yeah, like, this, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, but my, my point is the front office for Kansas City, you trust from top down. They understand. They're at the forefront. They're not at the back. They're not trying to uh, stick with what worked in 1990. It's why it works when you have Brett Veach, uh, the Hunts, when you have Andy Reid. And again, I, I trust their decision-making. It's why I think it's a popular move hiring from within because they've grown used to this culture. They've grown used to being at the forefront of technology or at least innovation when it comes to offensive-minded uh, coaching. Uh, again, this is partly why I'm pretty thrilled with the hire, or at least the promotion, I should say, of Girardi. Yeah, there's something to be said for continuity. You and I discussed this in the conference championship game 
when both the Bengals and the Chiefs had these long-standing coordinators on both sides, it means a lot when a team has that level of, con- that level of continuity. At the same time, you and I have both applauded Joe Cullen in the last year, right? As this new voice who was needed at a position who came in. Obviously, the Chiefs don't need a new voice at quarterback. It's not like Patrick Mahomes is is sitting there like, oh, if only we could find the key to unlock this lock, it would be great. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not needed, and that's fine. It's interesting to me, and I wanted to ask you about this because you're a Mizzou guy. The guy, uh, Andy Reid, I was a little surprised that Andy Reid actually went there. But Andy said, hey, the guy we actually talked to, Bush Hamden, uh, is is a Mizzou guy. He was a Mizzou guy last year, QB coach, or, or, or OC last year. Um, and then this year he took a job at Boise State, which was his alma mater. Now he's OC at his alma mater. That's usually like – a great place that coaches want to land. Like, let me go work for the place. I went to college, the place that developed me. You want to develop guys there too. Like, so I'm sure that was a great job for him. Um, the chiefs went there to try to wiggle him free. Like, Hey, you want to leave your alma mater for a super bowl champ? I mean, that's probably a tough decision in the end. Hamden decided to stay at Boise state, but it was interesting to me that the chiefs have been looking as close as Mizzou going, Hey, let's uh, let's ask this guy next season and uh, and see if he wants to come aboard. Yeah, I, I will say, I don't know a ton about the guy, so I'm not going to lie to you. Mizzou didn't have the best quarterback play last year. They didn't have the best talent at quarterback either, but they yeah. definitely didn't have the best quarterback play last year. <laughs> um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with that one. It was like it was like with with Steve Wilkes. When Steve Wilkes went to Mizzou, he of course had his worst year ever as a coordinator in the history of his entire tenure, and then he goes elsewhere and has success. Whether that was in Carolina, but it just makes me laugh. When you go to Mizzou, just because you went to Mizzou doesn't mean you're a great guy or a great, or a great coach or coordinator. Trust me, I wouldn't know. So uh, when it comes to Joe Cullen, that is very quickly. You brought up a good point. The Chiefs needed new thoughts on the defensive side of the ball. They needed to improve. Something wasn't clicking. Offensively, everything's clicking. Don't mess with a good thing. Defensively, they needed something because it wasn't clicking. And we've seen the entire defensive line, for the most part, give credit to Joe Cullen and Cullen specifically. Yeah. They've, they've gone out of their way at times to call out what he's done. So I think that's a little different than uh, bringing in new blood when it comes to the quarterback room. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, it, one other thing Andy Reid mentioned in his presser, was he he was asked about the wide receivers and just mentioned Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore specifically saying these guys are going to have larger roles in the offense next year. I think that's pretty obvious. I think we all knew that, right? A second year player like Sky Moore is going to play more than his rookie year. And Kadarius Tony arrives at midseason and is injured for half of his time with the Chiefs. Of course, they're going to have larger roles. But to have Andy say that and and really sort of point to them as, you know, hey, they, they've they grown. Now that they know the system, we're going to lean on them more. How, like, how big do you see their roles next year? And then how does that go into maybe the projections of what else you need to add if they have a larger role? I, I think it's large. I also think part of it could be, hey, Juju Smith-Schuster, we like you a lot, but look what we got right here. We got a couple of young guns waiting in the wings. Maybe they can use this for contract negotiations. Uh, what does this say about MVS? I obviously know he's under contract, but they can get out from MVS's contract if they would like. Now, I don't think they do. I think MVS was at times unfairly hated on. I mean, how big was he in the playoffs? Yes, he's not consistent, but he's not been consistent his entire NFL career. But at times he can produce like a, well, in that game, a wide receiver one. He reminds me a little bit of a Sammy Watkins. Uh, in his contract, if you look at it, what he's getting paid for wide receiver contracts have been it's it's in line. You might not get that production for his price point. Um, McCall Hardman, I think we've all almost assumed he's gone. But you know what you do when you assume? You make asses out of you and me. We did the same thing with Watkins. He came back. We did the same thing with Frank Clark. He came back. So maybe there is some room for Hardman to come back if his uh, market does not materialize. But Tony, in my opinion, outperformed Hardman either way. Sky Moore, when he had the opportunity, outperformed guys even like MVS and McCall Hardman, given the opportunity. Um, 
I don't know what this means for Justin Ross or John Ross. I think John Ross, I, we don't see at all. I think Justin Ross, uh, as much as I want him to succeed, the lack of talk about him from the team itself is a little disheartening, right? Um, but I do think, yeah, Sky Moore and, and Kadarius Tony will get big roles next season. And again, I think this could be a ploy to, to Juju saying, hey, we'd love to have you back, but we're not going to pay market value. We trust these two guys who are underneath you. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to me to see how heavy they go shopping. Uh, you know, I mean, if they make a first round pick for a wideout, that's going to be quite telling, um, at, you know, that maybe there was some like smokescreen here, uh, you know, but if they just settle for like another third round investment, fourth round investment, just just another guy kind of thing, you know, then, then well, that was very highly. They've won a Super Bowl with, for the most part, just guys. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I don't disagree with you. The, 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 here's the caveat there, though, right? Here's the caveat. Because you say, in, in fact, this has been uh, some, of, some of the battle, like on Twitter. Like, I, like, like, I've been a proponent. In fact, we'll talk about this in a little bit. We'll talk about um, wide receiver in the battle here. Um, you know what? We're going to get into this later. I don't need to get into it now. Uh, we'll <laughs> save it. Um, and then, uh, we got a good fight later, folks. Coming up, me versus Sterling about wide receivers. Hey, the other thing that Andy Reid uh, and Brett Veach spoke to, and, and I want to touch on this here, and, and we'll major on this um, at the front of the hour, um, Orlando Brown Jr. Look, Brett Veach said, look, there's a long road ahead. Um, there's a lot to get done. I mean, with like with any major extension, you're reading the market, you're, you're, you're spinning 10 other plates financially that you have to take into consideration. Like there's just, there's so much there, not like, you just go in a room, figure out a number, come out the other side, and 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 be done with it. But here's the thing, you know, Andy spoke very highly of Orlando um, and has over time loves him. Uh, the whole team seems to love him. Veach loves him, and Veach today spoke with a lot of cautious optimism that the Chiefs were going to get something done, and, and not like not like oh yeah he'll be back next year on the tag, but sort of a yeah I I'm I'm optimistic that we can get something done here's what he said he said yeah probably to a certain extent we'll need some cap space but then he said um oh i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself this is about frank clark what am i even talking about i'm reading comments about frank clark when it comes to orlando same time beach was also positive about orlando like does that excite you to think that maybe they're optimistic about a long-term deal are you hoping instead that it is just a franchise tag like like, what are your what are your hopes for Orlando and what do you think is going to happen? Well, obviously I think franchise tag might be best for the team and fan. Yeah. Realistically, the franchise tag is going to come in at just under 20 million, right? Which is going to yeah. be cheaper than what uh, oh. an AAV long-term deal is probably looking at. Yeah. But you also want to have some sort of consistency going forward. I want to point something out as much as we've ripped on Orlando Brown jr. All season long, and for good reason, in the first half of the season, he really stepped up second half of the season and ended the playoffs. He had one bad half against the Jags in the playoffs. The first half, I will admit it, but but dude stepped up after that, even in the Super Bowl in the week in the week prior. Now, w- when it comes to the first half of the season, I wonder if some of that was from the not quite holdout, but there was a lot of contract talk sure. hanging over his head. I wonder if he had money on his mind and that was what caused the early season struggles. The fact he was able to step into his own and progress gives me a lot of hope. Now I'm very harsh on Orlando Brown Jr. Sometimes because when you want to be paid like an elite left tackle, well, you better perform like an elite left tackle. Now to me, a fair number comes into play here at around five year, 110 million. I know some folks in the discord channel, which by the way, if you want to join the discord channel, check out, out the YouTube link below. It's somewhere in there. Richard will will hook you up with that. Uh, We talk all about Chiefs, football, beer, baseball, uh, books, a little bit of everything. But someone in there posted five-year, 110 million. seems about fair. And I go, that would be my max. That's a 22 mil AAV. You want to give around 70 million guaranteed, be my guest. But that feels about the going rate for a good, not elite, left tackle you look at that being only maybe one and a half million or so less than trump williams you're saying sterling 
he's not Trent Williams money, right? I go, I agree. But when you look at the quarterbacks and how people get paid in the NFL, no one's sitting here saying Deshaun Watson's more valuable, deserves more money than Mahomes. It's how it goes. It's next man up. If he's next man up, but still less than a couple of the two highest paid dudes yeah. in the NFL, that makes sense. But if you're getting in 25 million range, I say no. I say that's not worth it at that point. That's where I stand. Uh, I think five-year, 110 million should be uh, fair on both sides. I think both sides should be amicable to a 22 million per per year AAV. You lock him up long term. He has that security, and now you have your guy protecting the half billion dollar investment in Mahomes. When you draft at 31, 31, not 32, because the Dolphins lost that draft pick from tampering with what's a Tom Brady, I believe. You're not going to realistically get a plug and play left tackle in today's NFL. As great as Veach is, you can't make a left tackle just appear out of nowhere. So I think Brown's the right answer, but you have to come to the right price. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be threading that needle. I think you're totally right. I mean, I think I would prefer the franchise tag. Like you said, it's good for fan. It's good for team. Uh, it's not good for him. And maybe maybe morale and, um, you know, like even for his teammates, I, I there probably is some chemistry issues here that are hard to quantify in numbers. And maybe it's worth a couple million dollars. You know, like, I mean, you know, like you don't want his teammates upset on his behalf. You don't want to come across as cheap. You don't want to come across as anti-player friendly that, you know, I guess it would be player unfriendly in that way, whatever. So yeah, it'll be something to watch, but it does seem like all parties involved are, open are discussing are interested when that's true it's just hard for it's hard to believe that something won't get worked out there and and i agree with you orlando brown took his lumps early in the year and then was branded with a like a mixed bag sort of label like oh this guy he he's not like when he wants money up here but he's now he's way down here and the truth is in the postseason he really was reaching up to here. And in fact, if we just go off the last like three to six games, including the postseason, you're like, hey, this guy deserves more money than Trent Williams because he because he should be next man up, reset the market. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's better than Trent Williams. I'm saying just like what you said, the next good or great tackle is going to reset. That's what happens every year, right? It's Kenny Galladay got shitloads of money. And, hey, and, the Chiefs aren't the New York Giants, okay? I get that. The, get that, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens aren't, aren't, the, aren't the Browns. There's a reason why everyone points to the Browns saying, you screwed the NFL with the guaranteed contract right? to Deshaun Watson. The right? Chiefs aren't these teams. going to make more money than Trent Williams. Somebody is going to make more money than Trent Williams. I don't think it's him. I don't think it's Orlando Brown Jr., personally. Personally. I wasn't saying that. I was just saying – all I was saying was he was branded too early. And then later in the season when he's that good, I'm saying it's hard to unbrand someone. And it's important for us to not just throw those labels out. All I was saying was I was proud of you for coming back on your criticism of Brown. And it's good to say, hey, I was hard on him, but now I'm not. He stepped up and it's worth some money there. Uh, and that – Dude, we're already fighting. We haven't gotten to wide receivers yet. What's going on? Matt, we we like to fight, okay? You know this. We're fighters and lovers, okay? Mm. Uh, I do think I saw a good uh, good comment here. Let me see if I can pull it up really quickly from Casey Rogers. Um, just give him the same offer as last year with the guarantees, more like 65-70 rather than the 36 offered last year. The only thing that kept him from signing last year, uh, again, was the guarantees. I think you're, you're probably spot on right now. I mean, I think he would accept the same offers last year with more guarantees. Uh, that was the talk all along. Uh, 36, truthfully, did seem a little low guarantee-wise. It's basically getting out after two seasons, right? That's a five-year deal, but two seasons are legit. Basically, the out on year three. If you have more guaranteed money, you're married to each other long term. The one thing I will say is knock on wood. I'm not going to knock right now because my dog's downstairs. Don't want him barking, but knock on wood. Hypothetically, he's been fairly healthy. He's been fairly healthy. Even when he's been banged up, he's played yeah. through the majority of his injuries. And that is something that is is worth some extra money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
on these contracts, don't forget the first number is always a lie, always a lie. So if they say five years for a hundred and whatever million, the chances that they're ever going to meet the hundred and whatever million, like it is about that guaranteed money. I think last year, the guaranteed money was a bit insulting. And so it made sense that he came in late and came in salty. Of course, winning cures everything. And now we're back in good standing. Uh, we want to get into a little bit of Frank discussion on Frank Clark. Uh, I want to play a new game I just made up a half hour ago. But, folks, we do have a great opportunity for you from our friends at BetMGM. Let me hit this for you. And I love that Matt Connor was so nice in our little pregame show. It says, Sterling, LOL, I make you do all the ad reads. I appreciate you, Connor. Um, this is from BetMGM. If you use the code Arrowhead, you get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if you don't win yes a thousand paid back in bonus bets if you don't win if you're like me i'm sorry you're probably not gonna win it's a minimum ten dollar bet required new customers only 21 plus and present in kansas gambling problem call text 1-800-522-4700 kansas see full terms at betmgm.com or in the description below Two more comments I want to hit to very quickly. Clint McKenzie, dude. By the way, Clint, you're a great dude. Just want to say this. You're always so positive and kind on Twitter, in the comment section. Uh, when you write a review, you're just a good dude. I want to grab a beer with you sometime. I know you're out there, I believe, in California, but I would love to grab a beer sometime. Uh, he says, you guys are great together. Even your fights are respectful. There's a reason I look forward to the show all week. Thank you, man. Doug in Kansas. Chat is the MVP crew. True that, Doug. Um, Jesus Perez says, is Sterling drunk? No, it takes a lot more than 7.5% beer to get Sterling drunk. Come on now. How many uh, I just think we're, That's only uh, – more, more than one. Uh, I just want to say, uh, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I'm just saying, Orlando Brown Jr. deserves a little bit more respect. I think, I, I think that's all I'm saying. Okay, I'm not saying he's elite, but I'm saying he got better as the season went on, and I'm getting more and more on the side of, uh, I think you can pay him 22 million a year and be okay. Yeah, let's have a frank discussion about Frank Clark. Right, uh, this is a big piece of the puzzle. I think. Because if you can bring him back in a way, look, look, right now the Chiefs have to do something about Frank Clark. We said this thing, we said this last year too, where um, last year we were like, oh my gosh, get rid of Frank Clark. This contract's an albatross. This guy's ruining the defensive line. It was almost to the point where people were almost, it was like, I don't know if it was worth the Super Bowl he gave us. For dealing with all, I mean, no one really said that, but you know, like there was a lot of hate around Frank Clark after watching him dominate for another stretch run, after witnessing him play through a lot of, like, if he's got Crohn's disease, which that, which I've never seen that documented as that direct, but there is there is some ongoing stomach related illness that causes him. Look, man, I know firsthand from family that Crohn's is no Crohn's is no joke, no joke at all. If Frank is playing through some sort of condition like that on a regular basis and then saving his best for when it matters the most, if he's mentoring guys at uh at like Carl Loftus and others, and look, Andy Reid swears by him, Veach swears by him, teammates swear by him. And here's the quote I was going to read earlier. I just want to read this, and then I want to have a frank discussion with you here. Um, here's Veach from today, folks. Here's what Brett Veach said. We'll probably, to a certain extent, need some cap space. We have a long history with Frank and his agent, too. He'll be one of the many conversations we have this week. That's in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. And we look forward to getting with him and seeing if we can work something out that makes sense for both parties. In other words, this sort of like very black and white treatment of the matter, either, either Frank is going to make a ton of money and rob the chiefs or Frank's going to be cast out and never back in Kansas city again. Like there probably is a middle ground here and Brett Veach seems very amenable to it. So if that's the case, do you like that Sterling? Do you like Frank back in Kansas city next year and if so like what are the parameters that you like him yeah i think he's coming back 
uh, first and foremost. He, he's not going to get a big payday. I, I think that's pretty much, I don't want to say set in stone because we never know, but Frank Clark at his age, at his production level, I would be shocked if he got some Von Miller deal, right? That That's not in the cards for him. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he'll start entering into his Carlos Dunlap role, if you will, because I think the Chiefs draft another edge. Mike Dana has been impressive. I mean, he's, he's improved year over year. He'll probably start getting more and more run. Uh, so Frank Clark's going to start turning into, as I saw from Angry Drunken German, great, great analogy here. He's a relief pitcher, and I'm fine with that. It's a good point. But relief pitchers don't make the same money as starters. Frank Clark knows this, and the Chiefs know this. You pay him as a relief pitcher. I think his deal does get restructured. Um, looking at his contract right now for next year, what's that? $20 million plus base salary, a cap hit of over $28 million. That's just not going to fly. Right. He knows that. The Chiefs know it. Brett Veach was pretty much up front about it. So with him not having a big market, he seems to be a dude who wants to win. He, he's been putting a lot of value at all these mics, uh, what the mic'd up. Uh, when you hear him on a mic, it's always about winning, winning, winning. If he, if he values that, he'll take a deal here in Kansas City. will probably look something more like what the Carlos Dunlap deal was. He'll start transitioning more into a lesser role here. But again, in the playoffs, like Brian Mueller says, Frank is clutch. He is <laughs> He yeah. is. I mean, you saw him as the season went on into the playoffs when the game is on the line, when it matters, he still has enough left in the tank. Can you count on him week in and week out? Like you mentioned with the, the stomach issues. Don't know if you can, but don't know if you have to. The issue all along for the most part was the contract. You look at a contract and say, he's not worth it. If he was making half that money, you're saying it was worth it. It's a good deal because he shows up in big moments. They'll get a deal done with Frank Clark. I I, um, I want to push back just a little bit here because I, I I don't know that Frank Clark is as done as what we're making him out to be. And I, I like I get the re- I get the relief pitcher bit, but just looking at his snap counts, Frank played sixty nine percent of all snaps on defense last year for fifteen games, fifteen starts. That's like. That's a major – I mean, those are starters reps for the full season, which is a long season now, 17 games. And, and then he played into the playoffs. So so he is playing starters reps for 17, 18, 19 games. He played more percentage of the snaps last year than three of his four seasons in Seattle. So he's still logging major miles. Now, I know that those are – going down. I know that we're trying to get more youthful, but I'm just saying, I don't know that a newly drafted guy is actually going to have the pressure that Karloft has had last year. If, if the shark is still around, I actually think you still pencil him in as a starter and put a guy like Mike Dana in competition for some of those reps and a new guy and make them earn it. I still think that Frank Clark can be a starter for this team and he can log those reps. Now, that may not be the best use. I think all of us would probably like to see 45% versus 70. That's Mike Dana territory. Um, I also think Mike Dana has earned a good shot at getting the starters reps. I'd like to see them try to trade those two. But look, just I'm saying looking at the playing time given to him, the Chiefs aren't fading him out. I mean, the Chiefs, he played three, what, three or 4% less than last year. He's still playing a ton of reps. Um, if the Chiefs want to plan that drop-off, that's fine. I just don't know as a fan that that's going to happen until, until it happens. My only pushback would be he had five sacks in 69% of snaps. That's a lot of opportunity and sure. not a lot of result. Again, a lot of those came in big moments, and we know about the playoffs. We're, we're not going to be in disagreement there. Right, right. But it comes down to, I think, was a necessity. They had to play Frank Clark because they didn't have a better option. Carlos Dunlap was Melvin Ingram, which equals a pass rush situation only for the most part. Uh, I don't know how many percentage of snaps he played, but 25 30%. 
uh, not an every down guy. I think Frank Clark was at a necessity. George Karloftis really helped this defensive line because if he was not ready to go game one, week one, they would have been screwed. I think you would not like to see Frank Clark play 69% of snaps. I think they would like to see him transition more into a relief role. That's not just me saying that, but I think it's probably what the team would feel as well. And I hope the contract reflects that. Again, I don't see a market for him. I don't see another team in the NFL that says, yeah, we want to give Frank Clark Clark 69% of snaps, at least not a contender. And I think that's a big deal for Frank Clark in his own right. I I think he cares more about winning than he does about getting uh, a majority of the snap count. That would be my opinion on the guy. He seems like a winner. He seems to value that more than almost anything else. Totally totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Uh, And I do think even in this conversation, I have figured out myself, I I would like to see another significant draft investment at defensive end. You have to have one. But I also, I really, really think Mike Dana could be something, could be something bigger than any of us have seen. He looked so good last year in limited bursts, and no one ever talks about him like – well, he could be the guy opposite Carl Loftus. And I'm going, why not? Why not? I don't uh I'd love to see him. I will say um, this about Mike Dana. He by the way, he also had five sacks last year. So whatever his snap count was, same sack. Again, sacks are not the end all be all. So I apologize for using such a rudimentary number here. But he had five sacks and however many snap counts less than Frank Clark. So same amount of sacks, that many amount. Less. He played in 54%. Um, he played in 54% of, of so snaps. so 15% less than right. 69, yeah. nice versus 54. Um I do think an investment gets made though at D end. I, sure. I just would prefer to see more and more investment. By the way, Mike Dana was a guy who made me believe more in more in a I don't want to say finished product but more on the floor and less on the ceiling. Because for so long here in Kansas City, we've been sold on potential, potential, potential. Yep. Tano Passigno, Bashad Breland, um, uh, Joshua Kando, right? Breland speaks. Yep. Uh, that's who I think I was, I was, I was meaning to say. Um, what have they done? Even D Ford, for that matter, who didn't blossom until D, D Ford had a good year, D, D, or a good couple years in Kansas City. Right, but he was he was later arriving than what we would have liked. Sure, the point is we always talk about potential. Yeah, give me actual game ready guys. Give me something you know. That's why I love the pick of Karloftis. That was why I said before they drafted George Karloftis that I hope the Chiefs get him. And the reason why was because of Mike Dana. Mike Dana changed a lot of my opinion when it comes to, oh, you want this high upside guy. You want this, this, and this. You want the length, the athleticism. Sometimes just give me a dude who can play ball. I don't care what the upside is. Dana's already had more upside than I thought he would. Give me a dude who can play. Mm -hmm. Dana can play, and I'm with you. He deserves a bigger opportunity. Love it. I love it. This is actually a great segue uh, I made up a game. This is so stupid. It's really not a game. We're just going to talk more Chiefs. But uh, let's play. Let's play uh, a quick round. Could you? Would you? And should you? What I called it. It's all going to fall apart here in a second. So forget any of this. But you, you were just talking about floor, and that's actually the perfect segue here. Um, because I want to talk about Andrew Wiley, right? I, like Andrew Wiley last year. Uh, came to the Chiefs um, on another one-year deal, $2.5 million. Best money they spent. Best money they spent outside of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all the obvious answers that people are going to throw out there. Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year, like, $3 million deal, but he had every incentive, so it ended up being, like, just under 10. But that was that was also that was a steal. Good. That was good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, look, Andrew Wiley, we all love the lunch pail quality. He did great. I've seen some I've seen some like market valuations, so to speak, that Wiley could come in around let's say seven million dollars, right? Let's say Wiley gets out there at seven, eight million dollars on a one year, maybe two, three, whatever it is, suddenly that changes the perspective there. Now you were just talking about you were talking about how much you value. Give me the guy who can just play. 
that's certainly Wiley, right? Like not the ceiling, but he gives you the floor. How much does this apply? I, I titled this, I was like, could you, would you, should you? Now the Chiefs could bring back Wiley, but would you and should they? What do you think? I think you could, but only if you truthfully believe that he is your starting right tackle. I think he can be a right tackle. You can win a Super Bowl with him as he just showed. Yeah. He stepped up a lot of times in big games. I know folks like to point at the pressure numbers, but the reason why the pressure numbers for him and even Orlando Brown Jr. were so high, the Chiefs dropped back and passed more than any other team in the NFL. So those are going to be inflated. You have to look at the uh, the presser percentages. Now, I'm not saying Wiley is elite by any means. He's not. But he was serviceable. Now, do you pay $7 million a year for serviceable? I don't know. I do think he gets that number, by the way. I think it's a very fair evaluation, if not more. Cam Irving signed a two-year $10 million contract in 2021. And I think we'd both like to – all say here in Chiefs Kingdom, uh, Andrew Wiley's better than Cam Irving. So, and that was also in 2021. So, you're probably looking at at least seven million per year for Andrew Wiley. The only reason why I would say he's probably not back, not just the money reason, I think the Chiefs have faith in Lucas ne- uh, Lucas Niang and maybe even Darian Kennard. They've been trying for a couple off seasons now to try and replace Andrew Wiley. Well, Wiley kept showing out that he was the best option. Niang kept getting injured, and Kennard, I just don't think he ever showed enough. He never flashed. They even moved him to guard at one point. Um, right tackle's a spot where you can get, a lot of times, a rookie and plug and play. It's not the most important position. But I go back and forth, this, and you're right, because while he does have the floor, I just think if I was the Kansas City Chiefs, if, if this was me making the decision – I wouldn't pay that, and I'd prefer to pay some extra money to either a wide receiver or Orlando Brown Jr. and go with Lucas Niang, Darren Kennard, or a rookie. I just think you can get by with a cheaper option at right tackle. I wish the best for Wiley. Dude, like you mentioned, the best value maybe in the the entire NFL. I just think he's going to finally get a contract that he deserves. It'll be his first large contract in the NFL. If I were him, I'd take the money. <laughs> sure, sure. How quickly could that fall apart? Playing devil's advocate, Lucas Niang shows up, another injury of some kind. Kennard, just too much of a non-proper technique mauler, plays better in the middle, in the interior, than he does with any sort of finesse on the outside versus the best rushers in the NFL. Uh, suddenly then you said you'd draft a rookie to compete with those two. I could see a scenario, a pretty realistic scenario, in which your sort of trio of dominoes all fall over looking ugly, and suddenly the Chiefs have pro bowler, pro bowler, pro bowler, could be pro bowler, and then turnstile on the right side because we didn't keep a floor. Like, like would you also add a cheap veteran to that? Like, a, like, like is that what, what you would propose? Yeah, I, I think you could find a veteran who would give similar production. Not quite Andrew Wiley, or maybe not the versatility of Wiley, but for four million less than him per season, probably. I, I think you could easily find that. You, you look, whatever Andrew Wiley got this year going into it, probably a deal you could give to a plethora of other veteran right tackles. It, it would be probably similar production, and then you're still saving that extra money to either give to Orlando Brown Jr. Or a wide receiver, or just a position of need. If you if you think you want to extend Legarius Sneed, there you go. Um, I see angry drunken German says go big for Laramie Tunzel at left tackle, <laughs> uh, second or third round right tackle, protect the hell out of the franchise. Um, now I would not be opposed to Laramie Tunzel either. You could sway me into saying there's a, a a case or multiple scenarios where that makes sense and it could behoove Kansas City to go for Laramie Tunzel. Uh, I'll listen. I'll listen to Larry Tunsil at left tackle. I'm not going to shut that one down. I will say just for the Veach level of excitement that can happen when he does these, like, let me blow it up moves. Like, I love it. Like, when they first traded for Frank Clark, when they first traded for Orlando, I absolutely love the sensation of, like, what? Like, I love the what the hell is he doing responses. Not, like, in a bad way, but just in a, 
holy hell, where was that coming from sort of move. I, I'd like to see one of those just to shake it up, but you know, we're, we're probably not going to get it. We're, 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 uh, it would behoove us to get it, but, but yeah, we're not going to get it. Um, let's play another round here. Could you, would you, should you now look, there's a lot of discussion here. Keenan Allen is, is, uh, complimenting the chiefs on Twitter DeAndre Hopkins is doing the eyes emoji at the idea of coming to the Chiefs. And then today, Kenny Galladay was released. The great 2019 Pro Bowler, Kenny Gall- Kenneth Galladay III. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, you know, like he comes free and everyone's like, oh, yeah, give him a veteran minimum. I'm just throwing these veteran names out at you and saying, like, could you, would you, should you? So I'll say you right now, don't give me Kenny Galladay. <laughs> Please no. Dog couldn't get played. Nothing against Kenny Galladay. He's had a very nice career, okay? I'm not trying to take shots at Kenny Galladay. But if he I couldn't will. find playing time on the Giants, a team that needed wide receiving help all season long, if he couldn't see the field, No. That's, that's more washed than when you can't get a smell out of a sweater. Okay. You wash it three or four times. You're like, I can't get this out. Why does it still smell like bourbon and mustard? I don't know, but it's stuck in there and it's stuck there forever. That's Kenny Galladay. He's so washed. You can't get it out. Okay. D hop. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But you just showed you don't need to pay a dude uh, $25 plus million a season at wide receiver to have the number one ranked offense in the NFL. I like DeAndre Hopkins in a nutshell, but he's what, 30 plus at this point? 31, I think, is his age. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I, I, I like DeAndre Hopkins, but 30. He, 30. Uh, I like DeAndre Hopkins, but if you like Track, which I do, I think it's a very good uh, good source. Um, his market value, what it, their best estimation is, is three-year, $69 million, so $23 million per season. Do you want to pay yeah, DeAndre $23 million? But he has a current deal. He's unhappy with it, but it's a very good deal in terms of – yeah. He, he's unhappy with it. So, yeah, bringing a guy who's unhappy with the deal who wants to get paid to an organization who doesn't deal with that. No. No. I'm out. It's all fun and games and Madden. But if you have someone come in and say, I, I care more about a deal, which I'm not saying he would. If you're on the Chiefs, that's a lot different than being on the Arizona Cardinals. I get it. Right. I wouldn't do it, though. I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't bring in someone who does not have or who's not happy with their current co- uh, contract. That seems like a risk too big to take in my mind. That's a $25 plus million per year risk on a wide receiver who's 30 years old and older. No, thank you. Mm. Keenan Allen, he's getting up there in age. Um, he's on a, what, $15 million deal, I believe. Just just quick reaction. Um, next year, oh, $20 million, I think is what it is, basically. About $20 million next year. That's still a little too, too rich for my taste. Now, Keenan Allen, he might want to resign on a cheaper deal, he's not what he once was. He's been injury. I know folks like to say Keenan Allen's not injury prone. Okay, he's not injury prone, but he misses a lot of games. There you go. Keenan Allen's a good wide receiver, and he feels like he'd be a great fit in this offense. But even that's too rich for my taste. The Chiefs have just proven you don't need to pay an elite wide receiver from Mahomes in this offense to have success. So why would you go against that? I know it helps. I know it's fun. If you want Mahomes to break some records, sure, go ahead. But if you want to have a more well-rounded team, don't pay a wide receiver, elite wide receiver money. They walked on Tyreek Hill for a reason. I I mean, I just couldn't disagree with you more, even though I, I get your logic. I get your argument. I get all that. I've, also, I've heard it all. I just don't know that I believe it all. Um, just because you do something once doesn't mean you'll be able to do it again. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. You and I were biting our fingernails, wondering if Travis Kelsey was going to be able to play in a conference championship because a 34-year-old tight end suddenly had back pain, and then he ended up being able to play. Now, he ended up playing. He had a wonderful year. He career marks this year. But the last time I checked, anytime I've ever had back pain like that or an athlete has back pain like that, it doesn't go away. 
I don't know that Travis Kelsey's going to get healthier and healthier the more he plays or play more snaps more and more. And like, I get what you're saying about, well, they didn't just have a good wide receiver, but the caveat there is they've had Travis Kelsey next to this group of wide receivers this entire time. What happens if the bottom drops out of the tight end position and your best pass catcher is Juju Smith-Schuster or Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Kadarius Toney? What do you do with that? I think the Chiefs left on Tyreek Hill because, like, didn't just get rid of Tyreek Hill saying, we will never pay a top wide receiver. That's not what happened. They got rid of Tyreek Hill because the finances in that moment, in that market, didn't work for where they were at. Like, everything has a context. And so it's not like it's not like Brett Veach drew a line last year that said, we will never pay a wide receiver near top of the market money. I mean, that wasn't like a declaration made. It was, we can't pay Tyreek what the market's demanding right now, and we have to do something about it. So – I'm not saying they need to go get Devontae Adams or anything like that. I'm just saying if something could happen to Travis Kelsey, which it can, I get really worried. Don't very you quickly. dare. I know, he is I know, a I know. golden god, sir. <laughs> I get very worried. I get very worried about what can happen to this group of pass catchers. It's not that the Chiefs can't make a move then if they need to, but if I can get Nuke Hopkins – on a deal that winning will kind of cure some of his ills. I mean, that dude is killer. That dude is amazing. I mean, people say he missed games last year, but so many of those were for, for suspension. Look, and by the way, Keenan Allen, who I would be, I would be over the moon if Keenan Allen joined the Chiefs. And and I know people say, oh, he's he's uh, he's injury prone. Look, he played ten games last year, and then he played every single game the year before. 14 games the year before, every single game the year before, every single game the year before that, and every single game the year before that. The idea that he's injury prone drives me totally fucking bananas because, no, he's not. He's as injury prone as Juju Smith-Schuster. Is that injury prone? In fact, in fact, Juju misses more games than he does. So, sorry, but, yeah, there, there's been this label attached because of some very key injuries at key points. I don't get it. He's perpetually questionable, and if you play fantasy football, that's probably why. He's perpetually I, questionable. <laughs> I get it, but the new plays and he produces, and we've seen him twice a year, and he's and he's good, very good. I'm for it. I, I don't want them to break the bank for a receiver. I totally get it. There are bigger needs right now, but I like the idea of adding some greater target because I will say I am worried about the back spasms that crept up and surprised Kelsey. I mean, he even said that I woke up. I was surprised. It happened at the very end of practice. Suddenly my back flares up and I can't do anything. I, I wondered if I could even play the game that like, that's tough, man. That's tough. I hope he gets a lot of rests. I hope they figure out good routines, but NFL seasons are long and he's been remarkably productive for such a long time without Kelsey. And now, and also now without Hill, I just get worried about that. That's it. That's what I'm saying. So the reason why I'm out on DeAndre is going to be his age. And I think when you look at guys, uh, once they hit their 31, season's sure. going to start at 31, you're getting up there in age, Keenan Allen as well. And we're talking about guys who have been elite. I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins is done. It's not what I'm saying. But when you look at other guys who were, quote, unquote, elite at the time, they start getting into this age there's a pretty significant drop-off. Sure. Uh, you would probably say Julio Jones, Julio Jones right. was a leader and what happened? Fell off a cliff. A.J. Green's the next one's going to bring up. I, I just don't want to pay $23 million on a three-year contract. Next thing you know, after year one, maybe one year's great. You got two more years on there. I don't want that. I think you save your money, you go, you go younger, and a guy I could look at would be Brandon Ayuk. I could be intrigued by a Brandon Ayuk. Uh, it sounds like him and the Niners – uh, have some sort of disagreement. He wants to get extended. Looking at spot track, looking at what their numbers have, the market value for him is four year, seventy one million, just around eighteen million per season. I could get, I could get behind that. He's twenty four years old. I just don't want to get an aging guy and pay him top dollar, and sure. then have all these what ifs. 
Give me someone younger. Give me a dude in the draft. Again, we just saw what Mahomes and his offense can do without an elite wide receiver one. Don't don't overpay for a luxury when you have the necessities. I I totally get it. I I um I'm trying to be proactive here. Uh, that said, I say all this about Kelsey, but I've seen mock drafts giving the Chiefs a tight end in the first round, and I would just. Uh, like I would vomit. I would go in person and vomit all over Brett Veach if he takes a tight end in the first round. I just would die. I think I would die. Would you die? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would probably. Well, probably not. I would hope not because I like life a lot. I really enjoy doing this podcast with you, I so know. I hope you if don't either. Them, but you, You're solo. If if Anyway, whatever. And I need more, I need more puns. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. Uh, just a couple quick comments here. Um, Tom Hood says Kelsey needs to do some DDP yoga. That stuff works. I think it does, man. Something Diamond Dallas Page knows what he's doing. Future trucks. We need Kelsey to play like Lockett, catch the ball and fall to the ground. I mean, whatever works, whatever works. Um, Mark Johnson says you can't keep having Mahomes playing without a number one receiver. I, I I mean, I, I would understand. I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think Kelsey fills that role. At the same time, Sterling could just hold up a Lombardi trophy and say, say what? And uh, and make the argument there. So I get it. I get it both ways. That's why I love these arguments, because you can make good good uh, arguments from both sides. And, uh, yeah, one more quick one here. Are you even interested in Jalen Ramsey? No. Nope. Get out of here. Okay, good. Get good, out good. of here. I won't even let you King, finish it. Get out of here, Peter King. You're not the king. You didn't pay Trevarius Ward. And now there's talk about Legereus Sneed. Jen oh. Rams is getting up there in age. He's been, I don't want to say a malcontent, but dude likes to get paid. We know this. He's mm. about this. Uh-uh. Sign we out. Get off. No chance. And we didn't discuss the Legereus Sneed trade thing, but are you off that? Stop smoking, people. Stop smoking. Are you uh, in on this? I, I, no, no, no. I'm not in on it, but I, I, can, I can see a reason why. This is too long of a conversation for today. We'll have another one regarding Legereus Sneed. Um, I can see a reason why folks say you can't get by without him based on the Chiefs have done a phenomenal job developing young, unheralded talents as well. Uh, they have a lot of young, youthful pieces already on the roster. Uh, they just have a scheme that apparently works for certain corners. They know what to look for. They can address that. And by the way, Legereus Snead was one of those unheralded corners that they turned into what he is today. Um I like Legereus Need a lot. I hope he sticks around because I think his versatility is is unmatched in the NFL currently. But again, I I, I can understand the argument of the other. I'm very much um, I can be swayed either way, especially if you were blown away by an offer. But you would have to do it this year. You would not let him play one more year and then say, "All right, now we don't know," because then you get nothing for him if you take the take the money and run or you let him play out his contract and extend him. There's no in-between. Uh, I'm all in. I'm all in on Sneed for life in Kansas City. He's the chess piece. I want to keep him around. Well, folks, we've reached the end of our show, at least football-wise. But before we go, we always transition to our wonderful producer, Richard. I summon him. Richard, are you here? I am here. So every every show, we end our show with what's called the must list. It's our rundown of Things we recommend, everything from uh, crazy manga, anime stuff to not so crazy uh, music at, uh, or movies or books or whatever. Richard's shaking his head because it probably is a crazy manga that he's got for us. Anyway, we're just here, we're here to recommend a few things. Richard, what's your recommendation for the week? What's on this week's must list for you? Well, Connor, you you so you're a smart ass on the outline. You wrote anime about centaur with axes for hooves. I wish that existed. If that does exist, please DM me. But I'm going to lean into it. So take that. I am going to recommend an anime. We're recommending uh, an anime called Dr. Stone. It kicks ass. Uh, third season comes out in April. The premise. All right, guys. Basically, uh, all around the world, a green flash of light occurs. And then everyone, every human gets turned into stone. And then time passes for 3,700 years. Everything just goes away. There's just stone statues everywhere. But one kid gets out, a 15-year-old smart prodigy named Senku gets out, and it's his objective to rebuild society uh, any way possible. 
really cool premise. Uh, and it also plays into my favorite thing, which is primitive technology channels. So basically he just has to build everything from scratch. So you feel real smart watching it and you're like, oh yeah, I could do that now if things were to go this way. So right. Dr. Stone, check it out. I love it. Wait, how do you watch that by the way? That's on VRV. I'm using VRV, which is a common anime uh, service. You can also use Crunchyroll and then maybe it shows up on like Adult Swim late at night. All right. I know like seven words of the things you talk about, Richard, and I absolutely love it. Crunchyroll, that's a sushi. Come on. Australia, what about you, brother? Audio Slave. The album by Audio Slave. Uh, when I was driving to Louisville, I drove eight hours, basically nine hours, and it rained the whole time. And we had to stop for an hour because of a tornado on I-70. And so when I got there, you know what I felt like? I am the highway. I am the highway. And so I was like, fuck yeah. I love Audio Slave. Great album. Love Chris Cornell. Dude was just legendary. It was Chris Cornell basically with the cast of Rage Against the Machine. But great songs like A Stone, Gasoline, Show Me How to Live. Uh, song number one, which you can drum to, but I can never know how to pronounce. Coaches? I don't know how to pronounce it. Rich is shaking his head. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, that's how I've pronounced it. Sure. Yeah, same. I have no idea. Great song, though. Um, hell of an album. Love it. it that's my must list. It is great. Uh, I was rocking old Wallflowers earlier this week, bringing down the horse. Did you guys ever listen to that? The band, The Wallflowers? Yeah, The Wallflowers. Jacob Dylan, Bob it- Dylan's son, and the whole. Yeah. Man, I love Jacob Dylan. I love anything he does. Solo stuff, side projects, the wallflower. I you know, it was my high school years. I grew up on this stuff. So yeah. Anyway, I've just been like rocking to it all over again. Like it's nineties. Anything with a Hammond three organ, right? Like the big I mean, I love Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and whatever. I I love all that stuff. So uh yeah, I'm totally in. So that that's what I've been uh cranking out this week. Richard's like, you're just an old, you're like an old white guy. Get out of here with your, with your... <laughs> yeah, I should, Matt... I, watch, watch an anime, Matt. Come on, get with I know, the times. I know, I know. <laughs> and Matt Connor was one that said, me is going to be some like jam band from 1977. How dare you, Connor? Turns out it was you. It was you with the old stuff. Patrick Allen, uh, this podcast feels like a beat up truck. We really are like a 1977 Chevy, Chevy Silverado, you know, just just beat up work truck. But it gets you from point A to point B. It's like a, a hard day's job, work. Right? Oh, oh, well, sorry. Right. I guess I suck. Sterling's only 13 years old, so you have to make any sort of pop cultural illusion. If it, it has well, to come. Okay. Like At least that truck probably has one headlight, though. Oh, there you go. There you go. There's the difference. There's the difference. All right, folks. Uh, my name is Matt Connor. You're with Sterling Holmes and Richard Durante, our producer. Uh, we all love you. We all appreciate you guys even tuning in for the antics. Uh, come for the puns. Stay for the football. Uh, as always, we're here to serve. If you can leave us a review um, and and ask a question and all that good stuff sorry i'm just really hungry so i'm like bumbling this outro but go chiefs go draft go patrick go matt verderam we're out of here credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply.